0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School online. I'm glad you're with us. I've seen several of you uh, let me know that you're here so far, so thanks for that. It's always encouraging to see you. Kind of self-identify you're here. Uh, if you want to share this video, you can as well, but uh, make sure you've got your handout and uh, your Bible because we're going to be in Mark chapter seven, very possibly finishing Mark chapter seven. Uh, this internal debate going on right now, whether or not we can kind of finish up today, but we'll see. Uh, no rush. The uh, So uh, welcome. Make sure you go to your hand, get your handout. Uh, there's a link in this. Uh, at the beginning of the comments for this particular uh, Facebook live stream, if you need to just click on that link and go grab a handout real quick and print it off, it's only five pages today, so uh, super short, and uh, let's say good morning to some folks. So we've got the Samsels here, the Barbers are here, the Greggs are here, hello everybody in North Carolina, uh, the Erickson's, the Skinner's, my mom is here, hey mom, uh, the Denham's, the Coles. oh just one call. just one call. So I'm assuming it's Barry, unless Vicky's hacked into Barry's account, which would be a lot of fun. Please do that, Vicki, when you watch this. Uh, Sabrina. Hey, Sabrina. Uh, the Millers. The Let's see. Cheryl is here. Uh, Amy Velowson. Good morning. The Cordes are here. Hey, congratulations, Seth, on uh, graduating high school. Nice achievement in the midst of a pandemic. That's something you can brag about for the rest of your life. So there you go. Uh, and then Brian Willard. Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to uh, Mark chapter 7, and uh, we'll start with asking our question that we ask each week, what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Um, one of the things that I love uh, about our Sunday school is that I get text messages and Facebook messages and emails and all sorts of answers to this question throughout the week. So many of you don't answer on Sunday morning live in the comments, and feel free to do so if, if God. have uh, uh, showing you something in his word uh, through the portion of Mark we've studied so far. But many of you will take a second and send me an email or a text message or a Facebook message and uh, let me know the answer to this question. And they're very, very encouraging. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um, so be thinking about what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far uh, as I read through Mark chapter 7. So, if you got your Bibles as well as any pronunciation guides at the bottom? like I do for Ephatha, um, then grab your Bibles, and you can either read along or you can listen, but I would encourage you to have everybody in your house uh, just be quiet for a minute while God's Word is read. Uh, it's a level of respect. It's a measure of admiration. Um, this is God's Word. This is the most important thing we will do in Sunday school today, so let's make sure we do this well. Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is corbin, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared, all thing, all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But he immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread, throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Amen. There are some chapters in the Bible that end on an emotional high note. Mark chapter 7 is one of those. It's a lot of fun to read out loud. Hopefully you have uh, found that as well. All right, so let's see who else are here. The Dobbs are here. Yay, all right. The Harpers are here. The Arnolds are at home. Uh, Yes, thank you, Chris, for the clarification. Uh, Chris Cordes logged on and was able to turn on the sound. The Sunday Miracle, that is a Sunday Miracle. Um, (laughs) Well done. All right, the Janikas are here. The Englishes are here. The Archers are here. Fantastic. These are some of my favorite people in the whole universe that have logged on this morning. So thanks for that. I appreciate you guys uh, getting up early and doing this. Um, I still miss you. I miss you every single week, uh, more and more each week. I look forward to the day where we can be back in person, um, even those of you that are not uh, normal attenders of our Sunday school, uh, but attend other Sunday school classes. I, I miss seeing your faces, I miss greeting you on Sunday mornings, and seeing you throughout the week as we run into in, each other in town. I uh, just want to let you know I miss you guys. So, there's that. Alright, so if you had a chance to get your hand out, uh, we're on page uh, 232 of our series in Mark. Uh, this is week 67. Uh, this morning we're going to start with Mark 7, verse 31. And uh, look at that last section uh, that the ESV, as it groups um, uh, text together, is for chapter 7. So now Jesus, just to make sure we've got the context here, so he's, he's talked to a, a larger group of people involving the scribes and the Pharisees. He skinned that down, he skinned that down, he skinnies that down. He deals with a woman and her daughter, um, and then uh, the crowd comes uh, back in verse 31 because he's traveling. So let's let's see where he's at today. So verse 31 says, uh, then, and the ESV uh, leaves out a word again, uh, he returned from the region of Tyre and Sidon. He returned from the region of Tyre and Sidon. So I want to make sure we understand Uh, exactly where we're at uh, in Israel right now. So Tyre and Sidon are up north. Uh, They are northwestern parts. Um, They are uh, very uh, Hellenized parts. There's a lot of Greek influence in this part. Um, This is pretty substantially far away from Jesus' home base uh, of the Galilee uh, area. Um, So he's gone. uh, He returned from the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is where he was for the um, Syrophoenician woman in the prior passage, uh, and he he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon. Now look at at the map really closely here because I want you to see. Tyre is farther south than Sidon is. So the text says he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon. So he went through Sidon to get to the Decapolis, which is this big area on the lower right-hand side of the screen. This is not the most direct route, and I mentioned it last week that Jesus is His traveling patterns are not about being efficient. So just keep that in your mind, that that when, when the gospel writers give us the directions on where Jesus went, just take a glance at a map and see, are we being efficient here or are we visiting a lot of different people? And I would say this is visiting a lot of different people. This is an inconvenient route. So he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in, uh, there's a couple Greek words here that are kind of combined together, in the middle of the region of the Decapolis. So he goes uh, from Sidon down through uh, the Sea of Galilee uh, into the middle of this area called the Decapolis. And Decapolis is just 10 cities. It's a collection of cities kind of grouped together. Uh, they had a very similar uh, there's several things in common. I, w- I won't get into all the history of that. I don't think it's too pertinent for this conversation. Um, so then we come to verse 32. So now we know where he is. He's in this region of the Decapolis. Verse 32. And they brought he- to him. All right, so a couple of things here real quick. So so when we translate uh, from one language to another language, there are times when uh, words are added so that it's clearer for the speaker of the second language, um, it's very helpful when when we have uh, words like "they," because the Greek text is just "and bringing him deaf," which is okay. I, I think we could probably get there, but there was there was somebody. So if if the deaf man was brought, there was somebody who brought him, right? So, and they brought him. So the word they is not in the original, but I'm going to talk about the they quite a bit as we go through today because somebody did it. So they brought to him a man uh, who was deaf. Now, I, I want you to notice in, um, so we're in 732 right now, if you look at the verses that are highlighted here. Um, and and the word deaf shows up in, um, three times in Mark, once in 732, once in 737, and then another time in in 925. And I want you to flip over to Mark 925 for just a second. I want you to see the difference because there's a big difference between the deaf man in in chapter 7 and the deaf person in chapter 9. So we're looking at 925. So we've got... uh, the, the header here in the ESV says Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. So trigger number one here. Um, let's start of verse 23. And Jesus said to him, uh, If you can, uh, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child. So again, we have a father of a child coming to see Jesus. Uh, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, you mute and deaf spirit. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, a a lot of people get really hung up on the demonology that exists in Mark, uh, the the opposition to the truth of Jesus Christ with the error of the devil, uh, this oppressive nature of demons as they uh, invade people's bodies and and cause them physical harm. But I, I want you to notice something really different about the the deaf man in chapter seven. There's no mention of any demonic activity, right? So when when you hear teaching and it sounds like, well, if you've got a sickness of any kind that's caused by a demon, I you know this is I just struggle to be kind here. Um, but just go to Walmart, right? Buy a white T-shirt and a black magic marker and just write on the white T-shirt, "I don't know my Bible," and just wear it around so that people understand that you don't know the Bible if you say things like this. It's just not. True. Okay. So the, the Bible clearly calls out when there are demon-possessed issues, because they're calling out Jesus' authority over demons. Here, there's no demon. So don't make something of it that there's not. Alright, rant over. So they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. Now, so it's a very interesting word because it only shows up here in Mark's Gospel. But this word for speech impediment means hardly talking or dumb or, or tongue-tied. It's some kind of a, a, a twisting, a, something that needs to be untangled. And you, when we'll see the words that are used later in Mark chapter 7, it's, it's pretty clear this is exactly what Jesus does. So um, so he's got a speech impediment, and they, again, the, the word they is not there, they begged. Uh, this is perikaleo. This is a, a word that when it is used as a noun, uh, many times refers to the function of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the, this calling, this exhortation, this imploring. It's uh, a present active, so they were, they were doing this multiple times here. So they, they begged him, this is Jesus, to, you know, this is the, in order to. There's a word that means there's a purpose to what they are doing. They're not just begging him for no reason. They're begging him to lay his hand on him. All right, this, this word for lay is an interesting word. I want to look at a couple of the references here. So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 16. Mark chapter 3, verse 16. If you remember, the 12 apostles weren't born immediately following Jesus. There was a calling of them. Uh, So let's look at 3.16. This is where he calls the apostles. And verse 16 says, He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. So where's the word lay? It's the word gave. It's the, this giving of a new name. It's the, I am going to impose something on you, whether it be a physical hand, whether it be a new name, whether it be a presence, I'm going to impose something onto you. Verse 17, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave or laid the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Right? Flip over to Mark 5, uh, 23. Let's see another time that this word is used. This is uh, J- uh, Jairus's daughter. Uh, and Jairus, verse 23, implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands. Come and impose your physical presence here on her so that she may be made well and live. Right. Look at uh, Mark 6, verse 5. This is one of the funniest verses, I think, in all of Mark. Um, that as well as the one in chapter 7 where it talks about he couldn't be hidden, right? I mean, of course, you can't hide Jesus. Uh, 6 verse 5, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay. It was just a couple of miracles. This is it. This is no big deal. Just a couple of things. Right? Because if you, if you think about Mark's perspective and Peter's perspective, after having walked with Jesus and seeing him do what he did for several years This didn't qualify as a huge deal. It's it's amazing. So except he laid his hands, he imposed his hands on a few people. Uh, Go forward a little bit to Mark chapter 8, verse 23. It's a curious verse. Uh, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes... And laid his hands on him. He and laid his hands on him. He asked him, "Do you see anything?" And then the last one is in Mark uh, sixteen verse eighteen. And this is the uh, Mark's version of the Great Commission. Uh, it's talking about these signs. Verse seventeen: These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues, new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So notice how the word lay evolves over the Gospel of Mark. It goes from something that Jesus verbally imposes to something that Jesus physically imposes to something that Jesus passes off to others to physically impose. So it gets more, I would call, dramatic as you go through the Gospel of Mark. So they begged him to lay, to lay his hand on him. Now, I want, you to, I want you to notice something really slick here for just a second. Look at the, the nuance of the word hand. So this is a noun. I'm looking at the, the G5495 in your notes there in the middle of page 233. Uh, this is a noun. It's a singular feminine accusative. So it's singular. So get this. They didn't even ask him for two hands. This is just, this is one. This is like one hand. It's all they were asking him to lay on this man. And they begged him and begged him and begged him and begged him and begged him. So what does Jesus do? Does he ignore? Does he go about his odd uh, geographical journey through the countryside? No, he doesn't. Verse 33. And taking him aside... From the crowd, privately. There's not a there's not a clean Greek word for privately. This is uh, two uh, two different words kind of lumped together. That the ESV translates into privately. Uh, the first is kata, it means to down, uh, and the, sex, uh, the second is uh, idios, it means pertaining to self. So, bringing down to himself. So this is a, a private uh, encounter. This is not something that he was doing publicly. So he brings him down to himself, and he put or to Thoreau, really. So it might have been forceful. It might not have. But it, the idea is that he, he put his fingers into his ears. Now, I want you to notice, we, I just made a big deal about the singular, the singular uh, request that was made for one hand. They wanted one hand to lay on him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes multiple fingers, because it's plural, and puts in multiple ears. Now, the, the text implies that this might be simultaneous, might not have been, but, but it looks to me like something like this, where he's touching both ears at the same time. He's got his fingers in. So he's got his fingers into his ears, right? And then what happens? And after spitting, <clears throat> this is probably a question that I get asked. Uh, just about more than any other in chapter 7 and 8 that I've been asked so far, why does Jesus do this spitting, right? Why is he spitting on the ground? Why does he spit wherever he spits here? Um, he spits in a guy's eye in chapter 8, right? So what? what why all this spitting? Okay, you, you want me to tell you a secret? I'll tell you a secret. That's not the point not the point. So flip over to Mark 8, verse 17 and 18 for just a second. I'll show you what I think might be the point. Mark 8, 17 and 18. So the context here is that Jesus is with the uh, apostles and they're in a boat. Verse 16, they begin discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So he he said another 4,000 beginning of chapter 8. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. But verse 17, and Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? So Amy dealt with a heart issue a couple of weeks ago. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Verse 18, having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? Look at the sequence of what has happened here. Jesus heals a deaf man at the end of chapter 7. Right? He gives them another opportunity to marvel at the beginning of chapter 8 at this provision that he is able to do to feed thousands and thousands. They grumble again they're not understanding. Their understanding is twisted. It is convoluted. It it needs to be straightened out. And then right after this, right after this, he heals a blind man at at Bethsaida he sandwiches healing the deaf and the blind around this question that penetrates the gospel of Mark. Do you get it? And quite frankly, this could almost be the theme of the gospel of Mark up to this point, watching the disciples wrestle with who he is, who he says he is, and watching them come to the understanding eventually that he actually is the Christ. So, when you ask me why he spits, I will ask you, do you get it? Do you understand who he is? Because that is the point that he's striving to drive home. He is fulfilling prophecy. He is demonstrating to everyone who he is. He is personally ministering to this deaf man. He is modeling for the disciples what they will need to know how to do when he's gone. He's doing all sorts of things. It's not about the spit, okay? Joan is not about the whale. Nehemiah is not about the wall. This deaf guy's healing is not about the spit. There we go, all right. And if you really want to know the answer to why did he spit, because it was the holy, righteous, perfect thing to do. And why do I know that? Because that's what Jesus did. There you go. All right, so puts his fingers into his ears and he spits. He touched his tongue. All right. They are beyond our understanding, Amy. Yes, thank you. He touched his tongue. So let's talk about tongues for just a second. Um, the, the word for tongue is glossa. And uh, glossa is, a, is, is uh, it's my favorite Greek word, but it's a really cool Greek word. So uh, glossa is uh, a, it literally just means the tongue or language or language not naturally acquired. That's the definition of the original Greek word. Over time, uh, translators ha- have used the word glossa or gloss as it's abbreviated to shorten as uh, to describe a, uh, a short definition or an explanation of a word so I want to show you something I want to show you uh, this is what an interlinear looks like so an interlinear is a uh, uh, copy of some text with two languages kind of in a row. So I, I've circled a couple of words on here because I want to focus on this. So I've circled the first word there is uh, philadelphias. Uh, it means uh, brotherly love. So if you know any Greek letters or you remember anything from high school trigonometry or maybe geometry, you see the PH, uh, the, you see the I, the L, the A, D, E, L, P, H, I, A, S. So philadelphias, this is, the, this is where we get our English word philadelphia but at this time it meant brotherly love. So an interlinear takes one language and puts it on top of another language. The short definition below the original language is called a gloss, right? So an interlinear is just a series of glosses all put together. Now, what happens when you take a lot of glosses and you put them together around a single topic that might be hard or confusing, you put that at the end of a book or a chapter, and you have a glossary. Ta-da! There you go. If you take all of the glossaries, all of the glosses of an entire language, and put them into one book, you have a dictionary. And this is where some of the first dictionaries came from, is that you have all these concepts that are Related in this field, and related in this field, and related in this field, and somebody just said, "Well, let's just put them all into one spot. Let's have all the definitions be in one place." So this word means a lot for me as I study the Bible. Once uh, you to look at the next one here, so the word chi, uh, is the word it means "and." Um, you see the word "kurios," uh, the Lord, and then here's what Jesus Christ looks like in Greek: uh, "Jesus Christos." So this is the. Uh, brotherly love I've circled, and uh, Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So a little bit about uh, interlinears. This is how I study the Bible. Uh, I get the question asked often, uh, you know, what translation of the Bible do you use, Jim? I typically just go back to the original and kind of work my way from there. Um, It's just, I find it easier. I think it's a, a, a cleaner way to just start from the text and go, into my language than starting with an interpretation, starting with a, a translation that somebody else has already done for me. Um, it gets me a little more engaged personally into the text. And quite frankly, with today's uh, tools available online that are free, it's just shockingly easy to do. Um, the, what you have as your handout is an expanded version of an interlinear, except it's just not interlinear this way. It's just in narrative format. So what you've got is the word uh, tongue, and then the bracket, and then the G1100, that's the Strong's number, uh, and then the actual word glossa in Greek, then the transliteration into English, glossa, the part of speech, the parsing of it is singular, feminine, feminine uh, genitive, and then a couple of definitions. Uh, the tongue by implication language, a language not naturally acquired, and then where it occurs in Mark. Uh, and that's what the handout is. I've got a computer program that I pull information off of the Internet. I use an Excel formula. Well, it's a couple million Excel formulas. Right, Goble? And uh, it basically creates the handout for me. So it's a, it's a very straightforward process, but um, that's where the handout comes from. So back to the deaf guy. So after spitting, he touched his tongue. Okay, verse 34. And looking, so if he had both hands in his ears, you know, fingers in his ears, he could have like done something like that. But he probably took one hand off and touched his tongue. Verse thirty-four. And looking up to or into heaven or the sky. So he's either. It's very. You could. This, this phrase has a, a fascinating range of options for translation. It can mean anything from I looked up at the sky to I looked into heaven. So there's a, it's a big range here that this could be. I'm, I'm not picking a side here. I'm just going to tell you this is a big range. He, he looked up to heaven. Uh, ESV kind of splits the difference, right? Um, and he sighed. All right, so w- one of the things that uh, these definitions do is they give us all the possible definitions of the word as it was used at that point in time in history. So this word for side, uh, stenazzo, uh, had three different definitions, three different possible uses, that, and we'll just, we'll just do a little Q and A here. Which one do you think is likely to be the the correct one for this context? Because that's the question for translators: is which definition do you use given the context that we are in? So, first definition is to make in distress, to be in a tight spot. So, was was Jesus in distress? I think I think we got a throw that one out right So second definition uh, to, to be in distress so you either to make in distress or to be in distress and you're like oh, I don't know about, I don't know about that either right okay Third possible definition to sigh, to groan or to pray inaudibly. So this third definition is more of a, uh, a physical action that the person is doing and it's one of three possible physical actions. Uh, And if you go and read different translations, you might find the different ways that these are translated because it's not utterly clear from the context which one Jesus actually did. So did he sigh? Did he groan? Did he pray inaudibly? I don't know. Might have done all three. Might have just done one. I don't know. But what he said next was incredible. What he said next was incredible. So he sighed. Now, the, I want you to shut... Oh, yeah, we're not going to finish today. Sorry, we're not going to finish today. Julie's laughing at me because she's like, yeah, I knew you weren't going to finish today. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go on a little uh, open your Bible tour. So you're going to need a, a whole copy of the Bible. Um, what an amazing blessing that is to be able to say, right? You're going to need a whole copy of the Bible. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, I got that. Yeah, a couple hundred years ago, this was not the case. So... Um, Yeah, and Chris with the wind for the spitting. There you go. Great. Um, so we've got. I want you to see. So because this word sigh is only used in seven thirty four in Mark, but it's used several other times in the Bible. So I want to. I want you to go to Romans eight twenty three. I didn't put these in your notes. Sorry, I didn't think about this until last night, and I kind of jotted down some extra stuff. So, uh, so Romans eight twenty three. So this is talking about, uh, you know, this is the, it's just the most glorious passage in all the New Testament, in my opinion. But uh, verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So Paul's talking about this, we desire something in the future. There's this, oh, I just can't wait to be there with Jesus, right? When it's all fixed. And if you don't have that desire right now, then I, I pray you would come to know Jesus Christ because this is not the way the world is supposed to be. The world is not supposed to be broken. It's to be whole. We want to be one with our Creator, one with our Savior, one with the Holy Spirit so that we can engage Him properly. Um, and this desire that God has put in us groans for this better way. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 we we'll see another use of this word. 2 Corinthians 5. We'll read the first five verses. Uh, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, this flesh, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, in this flesh, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. You ever hurt? You ever been in pain? Yeah, it just, you understand the idea that like, I want a better body. I want a body that works. I want a body that's right. I want a body that's, that's righteous and is not damaged by sin and the effects of sin. For this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked for a while, we are still in this tent. We groan, being burdened, not that we would be, we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You see the the relationship that we see with this word and the Holy Spirit so far in Romans and in 2 Corinthians? Uh, Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Look at verse 17. Obey your leaders, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Right? So, so we have this this idea that there's a testimony that our, our spiritual leaders, our, our pastors, are going to give for us one day, and that we want them to do this with joy. We want them to say. It was wonderful to pastor this person, not oh. Uh, right? Did you hear the the sigh, the groan, and maybe even an inaudible prayer all at once? There, I think you can do all three of these at once. And then the last one, James five, James five. Let's see if I can find James. There it is. I don't use a physical Bible anymore for personal study. I just use a computer or my phone or an iPad or something and. It's, I struggle finding the books of the Bible, so there's my confession for the, from your Sunday school teacher. It always amazes me that we teach the little kids the, the order of the books of the Bible. I'm like, yay! I don't remember those all the time. All right, so James 5, let's look at verse, um, verse 9. I'll actually, start with verse 7. It's probably good for us right now. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the earthly and the late, the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The word for groan is grumble there. Do not groan at each other against one another. We we have an opportunity to, to do this sin right now as our pastors are working toward how do we come back together in some safe way for corporate worship. Um, and we have an opportunity to groan at our brothers. And I would just encourage us while we're in this space, do not grumble against one another brothers. There we go. There's your challenge. So we'll pick up, uh, Lord willing, next week with uh, Ephetha, uh, and uh, kind of will uh, look at biblical languages and the forgotten biblical language. Uh, I think that would be a good book title. Uh, Brandon Harper's probably already written it, but uh, maybe not, maybe not. So um, we'll look at the question uh, next week, what language did Jesus speak? And you might go, I know the answer to that. Good. You sure? Because the question also helps us understand, who did Mark write his gospel for? And it's a good question to ask. It's not a question that the text itself answers clearly, but there's some hints along the way, and we'll look at some of those, uh, Lord willing, next week as well. So um, if you would, uh, what I would love for you to do, I'm going to skip through the slides I didn't use. There we go. Is if you'd like to subscribe to our weekly email, our podcast, or our YouTube channel, uh, you can do so at uh, OurSundaySchool.com on the subscribe button um, you can also while you're there um, you can if you'd like to be a member of our Sunday school you don't have to be a physical attender to be a member of our Sunday school um, we would love for you to listen to the lesson that's on the about us tab and if you'd like to commit to those membership expectations we'd love to have you so we'd love to have you be a member of our Sunday school uh, just drop me a line and let me know that you'd like to commit to those membership expectations and then finally uh, three things for you to do before you go uh, one is if you have any prayer requests, uh, write in the comments uh, of this uh, post, uh, any of those prayer requests that you have. If you're a member of our Sunday school, write those comments there. Uh, please be aware that uh, Ms. Colleen asked for prayer, but she did this publicly as well. So I'll share it here for her husband, Chris. So we'll be praying for Chris this morning. Uh, he's been having some pain. They think it might be uh, some type of a kidney stone. Thank you. I always blank on medical terms. I have to look at my medical expert. She's sitting over here on the couch. So beautiful this morning and um, uh, lean in, engage, and pray for somebody that's not with you. But What I would love for you to do is, if you're with your family, pick somebody who's commented on this video and pray for that entire family, if you would, in front of your kids, with your kids. Help them to see that we can still pray for each other, even while we are not physically present with each other. It's a beautiful gift to give. It's a good thing to model in front of your children as well so that they understand that this is more than just something that we talk about. It's something that we actually do. And then uh, by 10 o'clock, if you'll head over to one of the Facebook pages of Stuart Heights Baptist Church, we'd love to have you uh, engage with us as we uh, share the uh, content of a morning worship service there. So uh, thanks for uh, coming this morning. Appreciate you being here. And uh, love you guys, miss you, and can't wait to see you soon. See you guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.